0: Hey, Queeros, Cami here. Holy crap. Holy crap. The Patreon subscriptions continue to rise. I guess I should have said earlier how much it would be helpful. As I've said on the podcast before, our ad sales halved in 2020. Not because of anything that happened with this show, not because of a decrease in audience, not because of anything like that, but because the pandemic affected businesses, and whether or not business owners were able to invest in ads. So when you go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash heyqueeros, you can look at a bunch of different levels that you can support this show at. There are cool rewards, like you can be invited to a hang with Sierra and I. Anyway, it just helps us out. It helps us make this show, and I want to thank you all so much, everyone who has already become a patron. And even if you can't be a patron, I'm just so glad for your listenership and I'm so glad you're here. Please enjoy this incredible episode. I cannot believe I got to talk to this person. Such a beautiful soul and so cool. Bob the Drag Queen. Oh man, please enjoy this one.
1: Hi, Cameron. How are you?
0: Oh, I have honestly the worst headache.
1: Are you hungover?
0: No, 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 no. I, you know what? I can't, I can't figure out what's going on. It's just always over my left eye.
1: Well, do I'm sure not, it's fine. Do not you're, go on WebMD. You're a doctor, you do. right?
0: That's part of what's going on here. This is <laughs> what, a doctor's exactly, this appointment. Is,
1: well, this is how this is what doctors' appointments are like these days. They're like, "All right, can, it's you true. Just, can you just put your asshole toward the camera and I'll just, exactly, exactly. I'll do a couple of command shift fours, do a couple of screen grabs I, I of your of your anus? Could you just I send know. me some dick pics to um, <laughs> to your doctor at kaiserpermanente.com dot com?
0: Absolutely. How, how? Well, first of all, let me just start by and by the way, I would love to include all of that. I think that was that was gold, and it will train our listeners to what we're <laughs> expecting for
1: <laughs> from bob the drag queen for your from bob the vulgar yeah. drag queen
0: um but would would you introduce yourself i always have guests introduce themselves
1: yeah hey everyone my name is bob the drag queen my pronouns are he him she hers i am a drag comedian i am a um, youtuber i am um, one of the hosts of hbo's we're here and i am an, a living icon I'm kidding. <laughs>
0: that that feels true to me. That's how I'm experiencing this. Well, if you so, tell
1: people you're an icon enough, it eventually becomes true.
0: Yes, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, what an honor for me uh, to be recording here. Yeah, you've had a you've had a big couple of years. It feels like I know you've you've been working in drag for a long time, but it feels like from you know from where I'm positioned at mm. home perpetually. Where uh, are you
1: positioned, by the way? I'm in West Hollywood right now. Where are, my, oh, where I are live, you positioned?
0: I live in Pasadena. Um, you're like, like, almost
1: like you're apologizing for it. You're um, like, a Pasadena, but, but, but,
0: but. Yeah, well, it does feel important because like there's a part of Pasadena that's the Cheesecake Factory, mm-hmm. but I live um, at the base of the mountains. So I just want to be very clear. I'm I'm a mountain lesbian these days. Not, Got it. A cheesecake factory.
1: Got it. Lesbian. Got it. Got it. This is but, this is worth noting.
0: But you're in West Hollywood. What is actually that? That is a great place to start because I haven't been there during um, the pandemic. And what an interesting place to be hanging out because it's usually somewhere that is so lively in terms of nightlife and in terms of. Like foot traffic on the street, you know. For LA, it's a different kind of a place. Yeah, what's it like over there right now? It's
1: usually very Blake lively. Blake lively matters. Um, but right now, it is um, it's the the pandemic has changed it a lot. It's actually a straight neighborhood now. Yeah, it's just no. Could you imagine? It is now <laughs> just a full on straight neighborhood. Um, uh-huh. I mean, okay, so I. <clears throat> Have been. I moved here during the pandemic and I have some context for West Hollywood, but it's very limited. Like, I'm either in this apartment where I've been renting for a little over a year now, or I'd be on the gay bars strip. Um, and there's there was never an in, in, in between. I mean, there's still you know people out there walking. Dog- I actually saw the, two people today who really looked like their dogs. It was wild. This kind of like stocky, like dad body type guy walking a little like French bulldog, and then this like. Um, yoga-looking white lady with white hair with just, like, a skinny little completely white dog. And I was like, oh, my God, they, these people look like their dogs. This is so I crazy.
0: look like my dog.
1: Absolutely. Do that's true.
0: Yeah. Listen, I have, like, just a teeny dog with, like, hair on her ears that comes out to the side and... It just feel, it, yeah. It does feel like we're meant to be. I love it. You're like my dog has little,
1: like a little bit of blonde at the tip. Wears button yeah, up shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like
0: a grown out highlight. That's what my dog actually. Like seriously, that is what my dog
1: wears button so up you, shirts all the
0: time. Yeah, like very. You can't tell what size she is because she's proportionate, but she's smaller than you think. Actually, um,
1: I used to have a dog that looked like me. So I had a black Labrador. Those jet black. Those a little fluffy because it was a, a Chow mix. And people used to always say I look like my dog, and it used to drive me crazy because my dog was jet black.
0: I I mean <laughs> that feels,
1: but it was other black people, so it, it felt a little less upsetting.
0: Oh yeah! Oh thank God! I mean, I didn't
1: really grow up around any white people. I didn't even know you all existed until a couple years ago.
0: Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Georgia. Yeah, I grew up in um all over Georgia, all over the South really, but mostly Georgia.
0: Small town, big town, where well, you I grew up
1: in Columbus, Georgia, which is um not oh, I've a been to big... Columbus? T- yeah, Columbus, Georgia. It's uh, home of the infantry. Um so if you're if you ever were an airborne ranger, you probably learned it at Fort Benning. Um and then I moved to Atlanta.
0: I've been to Fort Benning because there was a weird time in my life when I was a when I was a Christian.
1: <laughs> oh my god.
0: Um, and they train paramilitary <laughs> troops. That go work in South and Central America. And wait, how Christian were you? Well, I was Catholic, which is a certain type of Christian. So I was very Catholic, like really hardcore Catholic, like thought that I had a religious calling, lived in Rome this? for a while. Mm, before, were, you like uh, a cha- were you a chaplain? I was a Eucharistic minister. Which means you like hand Child. out the host.
1: I don't even know what the hell that is.
0: It's um, look, I've worn. What I'm saying is I've worn some vestments, which are. It sounds, those, it sounds like a po-
1: It sounds like a Pokemon.
0: Yeah, I Yeah, it's <laughs> not. It's, it's not not a Pokemon. Um And it is about collecting them all, but them all being. <laughs> salvation so. in heaven yeah exactly
1: <laughs> it's just weird doing christians like i just care about your soul i'm like get away that is the most invasive thing you say i just really concerned about your soul
0: well and it's they- also a really fucked up way to feel about yourself i will say yeah you know because i was born into this and then that's what i was i really you know i was a little kid who thought my soul was on the line like whether or not i cleaned my room how you know, old that's like you? a lot of pressure how old were uh, you like when I when I just when I moved away from all this. Yeah. I was I was in college. I was in my twenties.
1: Work are we this same age? age? I'm thirty-four. I, I'll be I'll be thirty-five this year.
0: Oh, um well thank you for I'm thirty-nine. So Oh, work. I feel incredibly honored that you thought I was. Well,
1: 34. there's also something about a um you know, a lady or a femme person with short hair that makes them look younger. And there's something about a guy with long hair that makes them look younger. Isn't that interesting?
0: Yeah, that is true. Also, I mean, I can't even figure out when you say femme person, it's this is something I'm noticing really lately is that I have no idea how I look actually not noticing lately, but throughout my life, this is coming up for me a lot right now because. No, go ahead. I I agree. It is impossible to tell my age. I will also say for me, it is impossible to tell the age of um, specifically like men, like cis men with Mm -hmm. facial hair, because well, the beard is covering up. Those are the original. uh,
1: Those the beards were the original COVID mask. You shave that beard, and you don't realize who the hell you're dealing with there. A a beard can get someone to go from like The Rock to Gary Busey in in a matter of minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I do think that when I say femme, because my, my perception of the word femme means is it really changed a lot of the time. And femme doesn't necessarily mean someone who, um, looks like a man, uh, or, I mean, looks like a woman, but, uh, sometimes I use the word femme to refer to people who do not identify, who identify as women or who don't identify as men specifically. So like, for example, um, you can be. But this is just my wording that I use with my friends. It doesn't mean mean it's right. Someone can be butch and femme, um, which is basically letting you know that they are a femme, meaning they're not a man. You know what I mean? But also, 2020 has really shown a lot of people how much gender really do be a spectrum.
0: Yeah, I I was struck by you saying that you use he, him, and she, hers. Does that... Is that affected by whether or not you're in drag? Is that affected by who is using the pronoun? It's, like it's what's not, the?
1: Well, it's not necessarily based on what. It, I th- but I do think that because I do drag, that's happened with me. So, uh, a lot of the drag queens in New York City, we refer to each other by our drag names and our uh, drag pronouns, in or out of drag. And it's not like a kitschy, like blah blah blah, like I'll, like my friend, my best friend, Monet Exchange. Um, does not identify as a woman, but I use she/her pronouns for Monet all day, every day. Whether we are in a serious argument, whether we are laughing and joking, for me, Monet is she/her, and those are the pronouns that I use for her. Um, and, and it's not weird if someone says he/him, um, and th- that's that's what I've experienced as well. So a lot of my friends call me she/her because I do drag, um, and it doesn't feel like a costume or a character or a or a persona. It feels just like the way that my friends refer to me. And then my partners and my uh, family use he, him and my my real name, which is Caldwell. But most of my other friends call me Bob, which um, there was a point. I'm not one of those drag queens who has like an alter ego. I just ha- I really just have a nickname.
0: Oh, that is so interesting. I I, I think another thing that is really that I want to ask about from here is. This is I'm like speaking from outside the community so correct me if I'm if I'm fucking this up at all. You but mean the
1: drag community?
0: Yes, the drag community. Um so like there are some there are some queens that outside of makeup um one might encounter them and think that you're a queen. To me, when I look at you outside of makeup, I mean even prior to today, but just like pictures that you post, you don't necessarily present as somebody who I would assume is a queen. So I, I think that's also interesting in this, like, having two names and one is a nickname, having multiple pronouns, because I would imagine, like, if you're in a bar and you're not in drag, you're not necessarily somebody that, I mean, except now I know who you are. I mean, if yeah. I'm in a, especially if I'm in a gay bar, <laughs> I know who you are. But but, like, outside of that, it just seems like a lot of different identity to hold. Identities well, to hold. Like, you I mean, on an airplane, very yeah. different than you in a gay bar, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I certainly have a... I kind of dress like a witchy vegan outside of drag, <laughs> um, which is, does not sound like a fierce, you know, drag queen. It kind of sounds like I would be, you know, on on TikTok teaching, teaching everyone about veganism. But um, that being said... Um, I mean, I, I now realize, because I'm in the community, I, I realize how much drag queens just uh, look. We, I mean, we come in every shape, size. I mean, I always say drag queens are a lot like human beings. <laughs> <We> just, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, options.
0: Sure. You know? How about your comedy chops? Um, I'd love to talk about that for a second, because I'm so, I'm so used to, you know, I, like where I'm from is the stand-up world. And also uh-huh. not like the internet stand up world because I started when you really had to be in rooms live. And Back in my day, in you had a to minute you, go have to, you have to you go to a mic. 18 hours of
1: comedy yeah. you were paid a buffalo nickel.
0: It's absolutely true. <laughs> well also you have to you know you have to um
1: I do sign
0: up for a freaking mic and you have and to you wait. had
1: to bark on the street and sell tickets. By the way, this is all of this is true. You with do the bringers. Fake thing we would do saying. bringers yeah. back in my day. And yep, now the kids F- if you have TikTok yep. followers, you get the headline. That's right. <laughs> well,
0: I am curious about that. Did you did you come up doing comedy in rooms? Or like yeah. now when you're performing? Yeah, talk to me about yeah. that for a second.
1: So my first time doing stand up with the New York Comedy Club. Um, and I I used to do bringers and I used to bark as well. And I, um, then I got passed over at the, um, at Caroline's Comedy Club. I used to do Colin Kane's show, Wrong Side of the Brain. This is probably back like in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Um, and yeah, Colin
0: Kane, so, sure, absolutely. Yeah,
1: so, I, so I was doing Colin Kane's Wrong Side of the Brain for a while, and I had some really weird interactions. I was because I was doing it in drag, so it was really odd interactions. Like I,
0: always in drag, like all, when you started doing. Got it. When I
1: first started, it was, I do it sometimes out of drag now, but I used to always do it in drag. And I remember having this really weird interaction with um, Judah Friedlander, where we were, my, at the time, my drag name was Kitten with a Whip. It was a different name than it is now. And I remember seeing Judah Friedlander, and um, at we were both, wait, you, you, have you done Caroline's? Yes. Yeah. So you're waiting off just to that side area. It's like a strip of tables to the like stage mm-hmm. left, house right. And like all the comedians are sitting there. And or, or, or if it's not packed, they're in the back row. And I think that, um, that his show didn't fill the back, back row. So they were back there too. And then Judah Friedlander walked up to me and was like, Oh, what's, what's going on? And I was like, Hey, he was like, what's your name? And I was like, My name's kitten. He's like, No, nah, man, come on. What's your real name? And I said, well, What's your real name? And then he just walked away from me. And that was our entire interaction. Um, But yes, I used to do the comedy club. I used to do Gotham. I used to do comics when it used to be in the meatpacking district, which um, later got run out of business for some shady tax dealings, I believe. Yeah, Um, that was
0: a fun room, though. I mean, weirdly. But yeah. I
1: loved it. I loved it. It was was really giving Caroline's a run for his money for a second until it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... um, you know, the comedy club just didn't pay a lot, like, and I was kind of sick of oh, no, getting yeah, it dressed, <laughs> yeah, at all, at the no, fuck no, all. <laughs> and I really kind of got sick of getting dressed in full drag and getting thirty bucks or drink tickets. Um, it just kind of started, or also getting dressed in full drag to go on stage for like two minutes. And I got sick of being asked questions like, "What's your real name?" and all that stuff. So after like maybe a year of doing that, I, I started doing the um, the gay bars. And I just started um, you know, going to the bars and doing drag numbers. And then I eventually got my own shows where I could just do like an hour of stand-up every time I hit the stage. And then I ended up getting like six shows a week. And then by the by the time it was all said and done, I was doing like eight hours a week.
0: That's amazing because I asked that question because sometimes I feel like folks who, you know, have come in through like mm-hmm. the drag world and then now you have to headline a full show that's like at a theater. It it felt it feels to me so like a huge learning curve. So it makes sense that that you're so successful because you do have that experience of like working your way up because otherwise it just feels like, I can't imagine putting together an hour when you haven't done that before in a low stakes environment. Mm -hmm. And suddenly people are like paying a high ticket price and have big expectations and, um,
1: well, it's interesting too because um, a lot of the drag uh, performers in New York City are used to putting together an hour-long show. It's filled with numbers and songs and stuff that you can't do in a comedy special unless you have the money to pay for the latest Lady Gaga song, um, which, typically speaking, that's not the case. So, I, I, but luckily, I was able to go up through the cabaret ranks, which is what which is what the New York City nightlife scene really is. It really is: cabaret. And then also coming up through the uh, the stand-up comedy ranks as well. And sometimes I go and I do a comedy show, because I don't do the comedy clubs very often. The comedians are kind of like, especially the straight guys, who honestly, I'm so sick of straight guys. <laughs> anyway, um, they'll be like, oh, wow, you're actually funny. And I was like, oh, I mean, ooh, oh, th- thank you for that backhanded compliment. Um, but because they've never heard of me, and they'll be like, so what rooms do you do? And then i would be like, well, I have a show at the Grammarcy this week, and then I'm ooh. doing... Um, and then, and then I'm doing, um, you know, the Sony Hall. And they're like, wait, you're doing right. Sony Hall? And I'm like, yeah. And they'll be like, I've never heard of you. And I'm like, well, bitch, I've never heard of you either. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I, mean uh, I do know what you mean. And I also, I really appreciate that story that you told earlier about, you know, acceptance in the stand-up community. I mean, that's what I read into that story you were talking about, about you know, Judah Friedlander asking you your name. Well, it was I know
1: weird. That, it was very interesting. Like, he was like, give me the real you. And I was like, that's not something we incur in the drag world. In the drag world, what you tell someone your name is, they just take that as your name. If you say my name is Bob, if a drag queen says her name is Bob, they go, okay, Bob. If you say your name is Cupcake Princess, then the person just goes, oh, how are you doing, Cupcake Princess? It's so nice yeah, to meet you.
0: Absolutely. And I also, I also think that, you know, my experience as a, as a queer person that, has operated both like in more queer contexts and then also in like this larger straight comedy scene is that we have to adapt to go hang in their world. But yeah, I yeah. think very, and that's when I hear you speaking about like people not knowing that you're playing big rooms and big theaters. It's, it's very obviously nobody has to learn our shit. So it's like, yeah. there is, it's a, I remember a couple of years ago, I was working out some material about, about sexual assault and this, uh, the life very, the, yeah, light stuff. This very, um, like this macho dude who's known for his main thing is he doesn't wear a shirt when he performs. Oh, asked wait, me, the, the
1: one. The one who's always on billboards in L.A. Yeah,
0: Burt yeah, me. I, yeah. He asked me if I wanted to come do my jokes for his audience. Um, because if I could do my material for his audience, then like it would definitely be good. And I actually think that's kind of a sweet offer in a weird way but it was funny thinking like dude you come try try to play for my yeah audience. Try to, like yeah. you why don't you you shirtless wonder come try to make like because language like your language you better be specific you better not say the wrong thing you better be inclusive you better not make fun of anybody like listen you
1: piss there, off one non-binary vegan that's what i'm uh, saying you are... pissed off one non binary non-binary vegan, uh, witchy yes. lesbian, and you yes. are—it's a wrap. It's it's a wrap. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know Bert Kreischer, and I can't speak on uh, his character, but whenever I see him, it just kind of looks like the personification of if MAGA became <laughs> a person.
0: I I do still have it in my heart where he. This is, I'll just, I'm just going to pitch this to you, the television executive on this. We should, Bert and I will switch audiences and we'll perform Mm -hmm. for each other's audiences. We'll tape that. That's perfect. There's the show. Oh, yeah. It's a special.
1: Yeah. And it's really interesting because like like these, like the, the straight guys who are quite frankly, the top of the, um comedy food chain they're like if you can perform for my audience then you'll be good and yeah. it's like girl your audience is the lowest common denominator it is so i, I like I, I don't think that that's quite if you can perform in front of a room full of really mean faggots who don't who all think they're funnier than you and then still <laughs> be funny then i would say you're nailing it
0: yeah. Also, you're what you're talking about. Just when you were describing we're transitioning into doing gay bars, I have to say that I I had fear goosebumps because that is also a room that um they're not like seated at tables, being told to keep it down by the management, <laughs> no. and then like on dates that they're nervous about. Like that is a room that's like I. Whenever I've played a room like that, that's a room that's like screaming back at me, chatting amongst oh, yeah. themselves, and the queen trying to hook
1: up. Really, the queen is really having to like <laughs> like you're the bouncer, you're security. It is it is wild. And I I, mean, I don't know how much can compare to the exhilaration of having a room full of like screaming queers. Like eating out of the palm of your hand, but it really is. It's it is a um, it's amazing. I'll put it to you that way. It it really truly is amazing. I mean, I, I just found this fucking video of like me back in the day performing at Barracuda while we were talking. But do you know Barracuda? No. So this is the bar that I used to work at. This is me like on stage in this room full of like oh. raucous queers. My um, God. Back in twenty fifteen. And then, like I you know, you, you just get them going, and it's like I don't know. It it really is. It's just so exhilarating. Like it looks by all intents and purposes like a comedy club, but look how everyone's like snapping and pointing and. Talking oh no! Back I and... know.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, and also this is an audience that like if you lose this audience, best of luck. Like they're oh, yeah. never coming back. You and, know, and, so you it's. And,
1: and these, like communities think they have to, they they have a hard time competing with like when the when the when the uh, bill gets dropped imagine competing with a really handsome uh go-go boy offering to sell you cocaine at a discount price <laughs> i can't compete with a sexy go-go boy in a jock strap oh with his huge dick flopping out selling you cocaine at rock bottom that prices is, but i have so to get funny. your attention
0: <laughs> I, this also it feels like what time i was performing. I was performing in Provincetown and oh my God. I don't know who did this booking. Somebody made a mistake and <laughs> I was performing at a theater, like a theater where people going yeah. to sit in seats yeah. during twink week. Oh. So everybody else that was like, like literally I saw there were, there were, there was a, a circle of people. And in the center of this circle, somebody was getting a blowjob, like out on the street in front of the venue. That's and I works. just, I mean, the whole time I was i was there, I was just, cause you do, you're supposed to go out and like, for some reason in Provincetown, you're supposed to go out and introduce people. And I just wanna and be and clear about something, people. Cameron and yeah.
1: everyone, I wanna be clear yeah. about something. If there is a circle of people around and one person is in the middle of getting a blowjob, I need to be clear to you all, okay? Please. If it is wink, what is happening is they are all taking turns sucking that guy's dick. That I need to be clear that everyone knows. It's, it. not, it's not just like people spectating and watching. They were waiting their turn. To I actually suck didn't know that. The, to suck this guy's dick. And Thank that you I, for that telling I me. promise you just happened to them right, right after they thing. You caught just, them right before the shift change. Yeah. And then Carl was like, tagging out, Terry. <laughs> I I got it from here. And then just blah, blah, blah. blah.
0: I have never felt less like... Please don't come to my show. Like, I don't. I Look, I believe in myself as a comic, but this isn't for you. Like, this is not, like, go, enjoy yourselves. I also this don't understand. Not...
1: Honestly, I, I'm surprised you didn't get snatched up during twink week. Like, because you would test very well in P-Town during twink week.
0: I think that is a huge compliment <laughs> I just put my hands right under my chin I feel so seen. You don't know,
1: uh, P-Town is, is pretty tough because you have to go out on the street and sell your own tickets
0: yes what a nightmare so yes yeah. me Twink Week a total nightmare <laughs> back for another game you know it what's going on just one more week till max fun drive <laughs> hard to believe Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Can I, this is, this might seem tangential, but it just, when you were talking about this experience of performing, I, I don't know if I've had a queen on that I've gotten to ask this to. Do people want to touch you? A lot, yeah. Like all the I, time. I just feel like that's a thing. That in my mind, I'm imagining everybody wants to grab and touch you.
1: Yeah, people like touching drag queens, but I'm also a really intimidating physical presence. I'm six foot two without heels on. And I'm usually <laughs> wearing like a four inch heel, so then I'm like six foot uh, seven, and then I have an afro that's like another foot. So I'm I'm like seven feet to the top of my you know follicle, um, and. <laughs> people are intimidated by me. So I've been very lucky to have like size privilege and I can really navigate a room as like the final boss in a video game, you know?
0: Got it. Oh, that, yeah. Cause that does, that sounds... Stressful. I would just imagine that, yeah, folks want to be close yeah. to you and like, like my hair is feel... slightly
1: out of range. Like to reach up and grab my <laughs> hair, to reach up and grab my hair is a, is a whole situation. And I'm I've I have, um, a video online of me from a while back that my best friend makes for me all the time. I was doing my grab show and this guy just jumped up and grabbed me, and he would not let me go. And I asked him several times, "Please let me go." He would not let me go, and then I ended up like like th- th- slamming him to the ground. Like I got into a physical altercation in the middle. I've been into more than one physical altercation in drag, where someone that makes threw sense something at me. me or 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 wanted to accost me. All before Drag Race, the, the, my uh, my audience has significantly changed um, since Drag Race.
0: Well, I want to talk about that in one tiny second. I'm going to ask this question first, and then I want to talk about your audience changing okay. since Drag Race. Um, do you ever feel unsafe, either? going to or from a show or you know you're talking about this like bod that you have and and people being intimidated by you but i don't know what it's like to to be in tra- dragon tra- like yeah traversing the world so when i
1: first started doing drag uh going to the gig was really terrifying it really used to freak me out because i was like i am Like everyone sees what I'm doing. Everyone knows what's going on. Some people have no clue what I do. Like they have, they're just, they don't, they don't know how to take what they're seeing. Um, but then it got to the point where I just got so used to it because I used to do so many gigs and I would have to just get dressed in full drag and take the train to work in full drag and I'd just be a drag queen on the train. And maybe it was a little bit uncomfortable and I would really stick to myself, but let me tell you right now, when a drag queen gets on the subway train, it changes the pH balance of the room
0: like oh, yeah. people I'm are
1: like no like don't look at it don't touch it like the, everyone looks at the ground <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like it is
0: Oh wow yeah
1: people are really intimidated by by something they don't understand especially when it's when it's when it's bigger than them
0: well let's let's go back to your audience changing since since being on drag race i i, I hope it's like super obvious to all of our listeners to this show but just in case um not everybody watches Drag Race, it feels like you had like a particularly impactful run on that show. Like some there yeah. are some queens who like they're on the show and then like it seems like things continue for them and then there are some queens who like really stand out and it moves things forward for them. And it, no, I was it really seems lucky. like that really worked for you.
1: I was really lucky and I'm looking at my analytics right now on my um Instagram because m- one of the big ways that my Audience has changed is the uh, gender demographic. You know, on my Instagram, I think 75% of my audience identifies as as female. Wow. Um, which is really new to me. It is, oh, it, no, it's 64% women, 35% men, um, which was not the case for me. Um, in New York City, it was mostly people who identified as uh, mostly queer men. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. That it that's actually I want I mean I wonder if that's larger the audience of that show.
1: Well, Drag Race has a very uh lady fan base. I mean in right. and, and a young fan base. It's a lot of things that a teenage girl would love. Its makeup, its dress up, yeah. its fighting on TV, its sassiness, Absolutely. its overconfidence. Um you know we're, we're we're ripe for that kind of um patronage.
0: Yeah. Also, people are, like, talking about bodies and you're, like, yeah. seeing people getting ready, which I yeah. just think outside of Drag Race, we really don't even see anybody ever getting ready for anything. That's, <laughs> like, not, true. Know, you know, for, like, a young woman that I just feel like Except that would be. Except
1: maybe a little bit of a uh, Project Runway. You'll see them making the That's outfits. True. You'll see them, like, designing outfits on Project Runway. But, yeah, you don't see a whole lot. And you see a little snippet. I, and I mean snippets of rehearsal on Dancing with the Stars. But Drag Race really shows you the full fantasy.
0: Yeah. How, how does it feel to have your audience shift like that? Like, does that, does younger women, like, does that feel like an audience you want to speak to? Yeah.
1: I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm perfectly happy because a lot of those people that who are in my younger audience also identify as queer. Um, and, you know, the first time that I, I, rem- I remember the first time going back to Barracuda, my, it was my last show at my home bar. And, I remember being like, like essentially going up to do my, like the curtains open and these like to the edge of the stage. Like I used used to be able to like walk down, like I used to have back room, but they were all like sitting on the couches and in the chairs and sitting on the pool table and standing and stuff. But it was like sitting on the floor up to the very edge of the stage. And I remember being like, oh my God, this is wild. And I remember just being like, there's a lot of ladies here. This is so different. So it was wow. a moment of adjusting, but it, but it, it wasn't like, I, I think I adjusted pretty well to it, to be honest.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just wonder, I guess I'm wondering about the, uh I mean, God, maybe this is even dated or like from the past. So tell me, tell me. It is. I, haven't, I don't go to, I don't go to like gay bars in LA. I Have you been go banned?
1: Have you been banned yeah I've been from banned all from all of them
0: I no I go to like Eastside queer shit which feels so different like I go to like everything's like a sober knitting hour where people are also working out you know but like doing like low impact body pause you know what I mean like oh it's my like it's just God. a different vibe it's like a hike where you're where also people are where there's like a tarot thing going on so it's very different. <laughs> than, like, where a drag show would usually be. Wh- when I lived in Chicago, I used to do a bunch of shows in Boys Town, and I just remember that vibe of, like, when a bachelorette party would come in, how that would change the room and people would be disappointed and, like, annoyed to have a space shift like that. And I don't know... Yeah,
1: that's that's fair to say. There's something about a... Um, bachelorette party that can really, really upset people. I mean, it can really upset people, and I think I kind of got used to doing um, like like having them at my shows because I also used to work at this bar called this restaurant called Lucky Chang's, which was a, oh I've been there,
0: yeah. It's a,
1: it's, it, it is it is bachelorette central. Like like they cater to bachelorettes. They like usher in that kind of uh clientele. So it wasn't far from me. And and I want to be clear, I, I don't think that the drag the drag race audience is th- it's not the same as the bachelorette clientele. Because the bachelorette clientele That's good to know. in my yeah. experience are people going to this event to celebrate themselves. And when you go to these drag race events, they are really there to celebrate the person on stage, like truly and honestly.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, I've been to I've been to DragCon. I saw those lines.
1: Yeah, it's wild.
0: Those lines were, those lines are wild.
1: <laughs> it is wild. It is wild, yeah.
0: Well, let me ask this question, and then I'll ask the, the next. So you were talking about, like, growing up all over the South, and then eventually you're going to get to New York City, and you're going to start doing drag. But can you talk me through one of those things to the other, like moving to New York and starting to do drag, or if you started elsewhere?
1: Yeah, no, I started drag in New York City, and I was in, living in um, – georgia at the time and i and i got a gig working for a children's theater i used to do a lot of children's theater i was working for the missoula children's theater shout out mct in missoula montana and i was talking to this like i was my my touring partner was this guy named dave and we're just talking he was like you know i said i'm gonna move to new york city one day and he said i'll make a deal with you if you move directly to new york city from here i'll buy from
0: missoula montana (laughs)
1: I was gonna go home and like get my things, like get my life together and save some money. Yeah. He said, "He said I really just believe in you, so if you go straight to New York City from here, I'll buy your plane ticket." And I said, "Oh my god!" <laughs> um, so I took it was five hundred bucks. Who am I to say no to five hundred bucks? I'm, I'm, you know, twenty two years old, twenty one years old. Um, so I, I moved straight to New York City, and then I had been living here for a year, auditioning and stuff, and. And then after a year, RuPaul's Drag Race came on TV. And then I saw it and I was like, I, I really want to try that. Like, that just sounds like a wow. lot of fun. So I started doing drag the first year that Drag Race came out. Wow. Yeah. When
0: you, where did you
1: stay? <laughs> when you arrived in New York, where did you stay? Oh, this is an interesting story. So my, I, when I used to work, I used to work for another theater company called the Climb Theater based out of um, the Twin Cities. And me and my old roommate there, his name was Steven, Stephen was a friend of mine who had moved to New York city. And I will never forget this. Stephen like called me and he moved to New York city. Cause he's from Oklahoma. And I was like, I can't believe you live in New York city. What's it like? And he goes, you know, and he said that he goes, when I moved to New York city, my friend kicked me out after a week. And it really r- was upsetting. And I would never do that to you. If, so I moved there, and he kept his word. He did not kick me out after a week. He kicked me out after four days. So I moved, I moved <laughs> to, to stay oh, with shit. him. And he kicked me out after four days of sleeping on his couch. And then I used my BlackBerry. How <laughs> long ago this was? I used my BlackBerry, and I went on Craigslist, and I found an apartment. And I gave this lady, her name was Sharifa. I gave Sharifa all of my money to live in her living room. Every dollar I had. Oh, wow. Because I told my friend Steve, and I, he, he said, how much money do you have Come here? And I said, I have $1,400. And then he was like, okay, that sounds, that sounds pretty decent. And then I moved there, and by the time I got there, I had $700. But also, he had not taken into account the fact that I had to eat every single day. I had to move across the country. I had to do all this stuff. So when I got there, I had less money. He felt like I was lying to him. And I was like, I didn't lie to you. I just... It's been two weeks, and I spent seven hundred dollars living, and moving, and getting a cab here. Yeah, like everyone, anyone who lives in the city knows that a cab from um, the airport to Queens is it's like fifty dollars. Um, so I was like, I did not lie to you, but he felt like I was being dishonest, and he asked me to be out by the time he got home.
0: Wow. You have no money. What did you do next?
1: So I went and got a job at this uh, place called Dialogue Direct. It's a, you ever see those people on the street who go, hey, uh, do you have a moment to talk about uh, kids who need your help? Absolutely. I was one of those. I did that for uh, uh, two weeks, and I was so bad at the job, they fired me. I mean, I literally only got one person to sign up in two weeks, and I will never forget the lady signed up. I'm not making this up. She said... What's your name? And I said my name's Caldwell. And she goes, "Let me tell you something, Caldwell. This is not for you." <laughs> she was like, "You got something really special in you, and it's not oh, this." Yeah. She goes, "I feel like you have something really bright going for you. So I will only sign up for this if you promise me you'll quit this job."
0: That is beautiful. And
1: and I, I... took her money, and I did not intend to quit, but I got fired Th- that day when I got back. They were like, "You got to get out of here." <laughs>
0: I feel like the the struggling artist uh rite of passage is what did what job did you do that is performed on the street? It could be that could be anything. Like I was one of those people where um they are dressed like a granola bar, but then they also give you a granola bar, you know? Oh, you, like, you did that? Yeah, absolutely. That's
1: amazing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs>
1: amazing. Like, yeah. I mean, Actually, the, the pinnacle of that is the, is the ladies in Times Square who dress like they're in Chicago and hand you flyers with yes. jazz hands. They're like, yes, Come to Chicago, Chicago, yes. you all can't see me, what I'm doing, like, like Fosse style handing of brochures. Um, so anyways, so I got fired from that job and then I was panicking because I lost my job. And then I was it, was it was a shitstorm of a week. And then I got home that day and then there was an eviction. that was my door because I found out that my landlord, we lived in a condo. Our landlord had not been paying his mortgage, so he he owned our landlord owned oh, wow. three apartments in this condo, in this condominium, and there was basically an eviction note going like from um from door to door, like it was like like from the bank being like you're gonna go into foreclosure if you don't pay your mortgage. So I had we had to leave that apartment, so I lost my job, I lost my I was losing my place, and then I went to go call my mom and cry, and my phone was cut off. Because I didn't have anybody to pay my phone bill. So I I got on the 7. I was living in Woodside, Queens at the time. So I got on the 7 train, went to Times Square, to the T-Mobile store, and I called my mom from the T-Mobile store, and I was like crying. I was walking to the T-Mobile store, and I was crying so hard. And someone stopped me and goes, do you like comedy? <laughs> and then I just look up, and I'm like streaming oh, tears. All right, And they were like, never mind. <laughs> <It was> just- <laughs> You like comedy?
0: <laughs> well, this is a beautiful movie that you've just painted for <laughs> us in our minds. I'm so glad I asked that question and and got this context because it, it does so inform where I want to go next, which is like, okay, so then, you know, Missoula, Montana, you know, working in a live theater in Missoula, Montana and, you know, getting evicted from somebody's living room mm-hmm. and making a phone call from T Mobile. I, I would imagine that it feels really wild to have such a huge shift in your yeah. visibility.
1: Well I was in panic and I thought I was gonna have to go home and you know, when you live in when you when you really wanted to live in your city and be a performer Going home does not feel as simple as going home. It doesn't feel like a vacation. It doesn't feel like a trip. It feels like a sentence. And I thought to myself, I'm going to be the fucking guy from Midnight Train to Georgia. Like, I'm going to be, you know, L.A. proved too much for the man. Like, yeah. you know, so he's leaving the life that he wants known. He's leaving on the Midnight Train to Georgia. That's what I felt. I remember listening to that song and being really sad about it. And then I ended up getting a job as a waiter. As a bartender at a uh, themed restaurant in New York City called the Jekyll and High Club.
0: Oh, I've and been
1: there. Yeah, you've been at, you've been to all my old stomping grounds.
0: I have, yeah.
1: Um, and I worked there so that job kept me afloat. I I, I did the, I had the job for three years. I was a waiter there, I was a um, bartender, I was a roaming And you actor. have to be
0: in character.
1: No, you don't, be- not when you not when you're a bartender or a waiter. Okay. But I got it. But I did play one of the Roman characters as well. So got it. a butler named Mortimer Grimm. Who was just kind of like a grumpy butler who hated everyone?
0: R.I.P. Theme restaurants, you know, RIP-themed just like a moment restaurant. and a Girl. and a kiss and a and send exactly. it right to. Right
1: but to I love it there. Like it was honestly, it was a fun place to work, and it really kept me afloat. I mean, I I, I worked there while I went to real estate school. Um, I worked there while I was learning drag. It gave me enough money to be able to like live. So I I will always be grateful to that job.
0: And I want to talk about where you are today because I mean I I don't know what your pandemic life has been like in terms of of performing but it does feel like yo you made it like you 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 made it and well, I made After it. all that struggle that you're talking <laughs> about, you know, I like did you think you did you ever think you'd be here? Did you ever think you'd have a real audience of your own and I mean I know it's it's the dream but
1: you know how close I've did always, this feel? To be honest, this is a privilege of it. I've always been told by a lot of people that I'm really special. So in my head, I was like, "There is no outcome where I don't make it," because everyone I meet tells me I'm special. They all say it. It has to be true. I had a mom who said it all the time. The lady uh, who stopped me on the street that said I had to, I had to just fucking quit my job. Uh, my 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 friend who bought my ticket to New York because he believed in me. Um, I've always ha- had that kind of stuff happen for me. And I really don't think I'm at the pinnacle of my whatever. Like I really think that I'm gonna go on to achieve greater
0: things from here. I, I absolutely believe that also. Um I mean, thank you. <laughs> so sweet. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I I've never gotten that answer, what you just said, uh, but I relate to that. I know what you're talking about, you know. I I do feel like to continue to move forward when some of the actual present day details don't make sense, you know, cause that was true for me too. It's like, there were so many years of my life where I, I just like, you know, slept on a pile of blankets in the corner of a, yeah. of a apartment that I was sharing with a circus performer, you know, like, and, and, but I'm like, but this isn't it, you know, and it really does I think especially, I haven't thought about this ever, but like, especially as, you know, growing up like this weird, this like weirdo queer kid and not getting a ton of feedback about like, that I was the right thing or that I, that I made sense as a little girl, you know, I did mm-hmm. get a lot of feedback that like, I was really good at giving presentations in class. I did get a lot of feedback that like, um, you know, that I was funny and yeah, I think you go where the water's warm, and if people are telling you like this is where your value is, you know, for me, it's almost been like intoxicating to follow that because yeah, because it does. It feels like this is what people are telling me is is my future, and and also I felt it inside. But it is also it's impactful when people tell you that this yeah. stuff you're talking about. I mean, when when
1: I was um like my my first like year of living in New York city, I shared a bedroom with my friend from college, and. I remember in the moment feeling like this makes sense for now, but this will just not be my always. And I, 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 it sounds so pretentious, but honestly, Cameron, I really think I'm special. (laughs) (laughs) Like I genuinely think I'm special. I'm fucking special. I got, I'm from that generation where we were told we were special all the time. And it really sunk in for me. I really believed it. It still feels true to me. They told me, every teacher, you're unique, you're special, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, bitch, you're right. I'm so fucking special. I'm so fucking talented and unique and deserving. And and it just, it, it worked on me. It really worked on me. And um, uh, just say no worked on me. <laughs> stop, drop, and roll has also been ingrained <laughs> in my brain as well. I've always talked to myself in life, if I ever catch on fire, I'll know what to do. Yeah, stop dropping, right. Stop, drop, and roll was really... Beaten to my head.
0: Well, I that was that was like really important in our childhoods. wasn't It was. It? I feel I like that's gone like, away. And i remember thinking to myself, how
1: often are people catching on fire well, that also, they there feel are the need to really say it so strongly? Yeah, Drop it. There, there
0: are also certainly more fires today. Fire yeah, is for sure. the the risk of fire continuing to increase. The number of times we're Told to stop, drop, and roll is only on the decline. So there's a real mismatch in those two graphs. I sure.
1: agree. I agree.
0: I want to think about what I want to wrap up with for us. Um I don't know. I mean, does that ever work against you? This feeling special stuff? Cause I think that I mean, when you're as you're describing it, I'm all I can think is like, I wanna feel that way.
1: Sometimes it annoys people. Like I say this thing, my friends hate when I say this, and they hate it mostly because it is true. I say this while I say, you know, honestly, things just work out for me. Like things can be looking really dire it it should it will look on the surface at every level like something is not going to work, and I'm like, it'll be fine. I'm telling you, things just really work out for me. And when it does, my friends just look at me like, "Fuck you, man. <laughs> Fuck you." And I'm like, I told you,
0: told but some you things of work out What you're talking for me. about is also. I mean that's like Buddhism. That's that's this is this is like what every meditation the app is trying to ingrain into people's minds. This idea Buddhist? that um I'm not a Buddhist. Um but I am a but I do study religious stuff. Mm-hmm. I left like the specifics behind, but I take what But I like. look at all of it. Yeah. yeah yeah um anyway just the idea that that something will change something will shift and that it you know there is no there is no perfect thing that's going to happen perfectly
1: well i also it's want to let like people that's know some that. zen
0: shit that you're, you're saying <laughs> well just i want to people to
1: understand i'm not i'm not saying like uh the universe will decide a path for me what i'm saying is like things change a lot and as they change if you recognize when it's changing for the good you can jump into that that mode. I do not believe in, I don't believe in manifesting. I don't believe in, uh, I'm not religious at all. I don't, be, I don't even believe that we have souls if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, but I do believe that, um, I believe in circumstance. I believe in coincidence. I believe in constant change. Um, and those things have really kept me sane over the years, uh, a lot more than, um, you know, I, I watched a YouTube video a while back that really fucked me up on religion. it really, wrecked me. And it said, um, you know, people pray to God and God answers questions in one of three ways is yes, no, or wait. Those are the three options. And they were like, but also if you pray to a carton of milk, you will also get one of those answers every yes. time. If you just pray to this carton, I will never forget this. If you pray to a gallon of milk, every time the gallon of milk will respond with yes, no, or wait. And I was like, oh, my God, it's all baloney.
0: Yeah, I I think it is. Well, to me, it's what is so interesting about faith and religion and and any of it is that we've created it and that we've always done it, like to human beings and in every culture and every society that we do want to make sense of things. It's also the same. It's we've we've also always told stories. We've also always laughed like we're we're this we're not. The problems in the day to day is different, but we've always been doing the same things, and I think that's to me when I just like tr- am trying to live my life. That's what's interesting to me is all right. What what have we been doing? Because I'm not cre- I'm not the first person proceeding through these things. Like this is yeah. this is like shit has been happening, and so then I don't have to feel so um, anxious as my about- life unfolds.
1: When I think about death, I always think to myself, I bet it feels a lot like not being born. Like, I bet everything <laughs> after your life feels just like it did before your life.
0: I I love that. And I also love the span of topics that we've addressed in this 51. Oh, That's we 50, 50 really. Seconds. We this did has it. We got a, from here to there. We got girl, all. Of the-
1: <laughs> this has been a Rick and Morty episode. We've gone from Earth yeah. to planet Pluton.
0: Yeah, we did all of it. Um. I want to send you back into your day, but before I do, I always have folks shout out a queero, which is like a person, place, or thing that made you feel you could be who you are today. Is there is there someone or somewhere that you want to shout out as a queero?
1: Yeah, I'm going to shout out um, Peppermint. Peppermint is... Um, oh, Yes. Peppermint is one of the people in New York City who really taught me how to be a drag queen, how to command an audience, um, how to take myself seriously um, and also not too seriously. Like how to be taken seriously while being really goofy at the same time. Um, she's a real um, icon. She's the first openly trans person to ever originate a role on Broadway. She is, she's an icon. She really truly is an icon. And and I'm really lucky that now she's one of my... Um, one of my, one of my best friends.
0: Yeah, she was on the she actually was on the show not not too long ago, and boy, is that an awesome person! And let me guess, to.
1: she didn't shout me out. What a fucking! Ah, bitch. I, take I, I take it back. I take it back.
0: I'll go listen to the tape, and then I'll email you, and we can replace this with something more deserving. Yeah, which is some, exactly. someone someone who really gets me. someone who well,
1: appreciates me. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I've loved talking to you. Is there? Is there anything that you want to tell folks that they can check out of yours before you um I mean, before you head for the day?
1: Yeah, just go to bobadragqueen.com dot com or type me into TikTok or Instagram or Twitter.
0: Awesome. Um, it's been a, a true pleasure. Yeah, it's been so nice talking to you. Oh,
1: yeah, Thanks so for your fun. time. My pleasure.